Sports Network. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, yeah, man, how you doing?
Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great out there on this Saturday morning. Jay Catch along for the ride. Jeremy Moss behind the glass producing for us today. And got a lot to get to on this Saturday. But first off, hope you all are doing well out there, wherever you might be here along the Wasatch Front. A uh, cold day here along the Wasatch Front. Not supposed to get above freezing based on what I was hearing uh, coming in to the station today, but a pretty day all the same. Sun is out, and if you're up on the slopes, if you're out just running errands, doing your last-minute uh, Christmas shopping, because we are a week out from the big day, uh, having a lot of fun talking in sports today. we got a busy show ahead. We are going to be calling ourselves, I guess, the pre, pre-game show, uh, getting you ready for BYU and Utah State in action in bowl games today. Also, the Utah Jazz in action. We'll talk about their Tough loss here in a moment last night to the San Antonio Spurs. We've already got bowl action underway right now. The Boca Raton Bowl uh, playing out down there in Boca Raton, Florida. And uh, Jeremy, right off the top here, BYU played in this bowl game last year. They just showed a crowd shot, and there may be tens of people in the stands. I was at that game last year. BYU fans filled the place up. As they do. They are literally everywhere. I know, but it was just kind of funny to see that crowd shot. I'm like, I was in that stadium, and that place was packed last year by well, and large. Boo, North Carolina is not too far, right? That's a decent drive, but still. No, you could make that drive, but nonetheless. Uh, so uh, we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, Western Kentucky and Appalachian State uh, playing in this game. Bailey Zappi. I don't know how many people know that young man's name. Western Kentucky's quarterback. Uh, he is going for the single-season passing record in today's game. We'll see if he gets there. I, I know he was close, but with how uh, Western Kentucky, that offense has been slinging the ball all over the field, it wouldn't surprise me if they were if he were to set that record today in this game. But we'll keep you updated on that. As we mentioned, we'll also get you ready for BYU and Utah State's bowl games. So without further ado, let's get going here on a Saturday, and let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. I love that open. I'm not going to lie. It's so funny to me every time I hear it. But uh, So tough loss for the Utah Jazz. Let's that's where we'll start today. They fall 128 to 126 to the San Antonio Spurs. And this game was frustrating uh, to watch. And we're going to talk about it today on the show. Uh, we're going to keep you updated on uh, – any news that comes out regarding how the Jazz and the Wizards, because they're right back at it tonight here at Vivint Arena. But the biggest thing for me from last night's game was that you looked at that contest and you felt like, okay, the Jazz, if they were to put the clamps down on defense at any point in this game, they could roll to a victory. But they never did. And there are two numbers that stand out to me, and they're numbers that Quinn Snyder pointed out in his postgame press session last night. The numbers 41 and 23. And those numbers, they're not football score. It's not 41 to 23. It's not a football score. That are the numbers that I think show how different this game was between the second and third quarters, which is, I feel like, when the Spurs gained a lot of momentum, a lot of belief in themselves, 
and ultimately I think would not be denied as they snapped the Utah Jazz eight-game win streak with that 128-126 victory. And what do I mean by that? I mean that in the second quarter, the Utah Jazz clamped down on defense. They did a good job. They limited the Spurs to 23 points. It took a nice halftime lead, but then they come out in the third quarter, and typically, at least in the last eight games when the Jazz had won their previous eight games, the third quarter is where the Jazz put their foot on the neck and just absolutely ended games. They made the fourth quarters easy on themselves. Third quarter last night was the flip of the script, though. The San Antonio Spurs came out and scored 41 points and limited the Jazz to 23 points in that game and took a lead in the fourth quarter. And from that point on, it was an absolute slog for the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell was kind of in and out of the lineup. He said late in the, uh, after the game last night that he was hit early in the game in the stomach area and then took another shot there in the second half at some point, which made him nauseous. Uh, he's, he admitted earlier this week that he has not been feeling 100%. He's been under the weather, so I wonder if that also was a factor in all of that. But Lonnie Walker the fourth deserves a lot of credit for a big shot he made with 14.9 seconds left. Uh, Jeremy, I believe, has the highlight of that, so let's go to it. Walker's working the top, 10 on the clock. He drives on Gobert. At the rim, double clutches off the glass and in. A miraculous shot by Lonnie Walker the fourth. Okay, that shot right there, and David calls it, David Locke, the play-by-play voice of the Jazz, calls it a miraculous shot, and it was. Rudy Gobert played Every bit of defense you could play on that play. And Lonnie Walker did double clutch it and makes it, banks it in off the glass. But the the Spurs, they live in the mid-range and at the rim, and that's what they torched the Jazz with last night. In the second half, I saw Ben Anderson put this out after the game, the Spurs were 24 of 30 in the mid-range last night in the second half. That is absolutely remarkable shooting. And you're going to be hard-pressed to go out there and beat a team when they're making their buckets like that. There are some concerns with this because a lot of times we've, we've heard the NBA revolution of go to the rim or shoot the three, and that's what the Jazz have, have bought into. And the previous eight games, the Jazz absolutely were rocking and rolling. They were getting to the rim. They were shooting from three at a high clip. Last night, their defense failed them because the Spurs went and attacked them in the mid-range, and that is where my concern is for the Utah Jazz. Some of the issues we saw against teams like Phoenix, what we've seen against Phoenix, teams like the Clippers last year in the playoffs, they would attack the Jazz in the mid-range, and when the Jazz finally adjusted to it, then they start attacking from beyond the arc. They also get to the rim. There is concern that the Jazz do not have the perimeter defenders or at least the ability to guard guys and stop that mid-range game from absolutely torching them. Are teams like the Spurs going to shoot that same high percentage in every game against the Jazz? No, they won't. But when you shoot 50% in the game, you're on pace and you're you're making those mid-range shots. Because it seemed like Derek White down the stretch, every time he would pull up from 10 to 15 feet and just nail that shot. And that's a killer. And that's a shot that guys like Chris Paul have made a living on in their NBA career. And if the Jazz end up playing against a team like the Phoenix Suns down the road, whether it's in the playoffs or in some of the matchups they have to come, well, a team like Phoenix, they should just look at the San Antonio film and say, well, they did that. We can do that to a better degree. Why don't we just keep doing that? And that that's the concern I have for the Utah Jazz right now is the fact that they have not found a way to stop a team from killing them in the mid-range. There's a lot of people out there who say that the Jazz need to go out and find a, uh, an elite perimeter defender. Those are hard to come by. It's just you're going to have to give up a lot to get a guy like that uh, into your lineup. So I don't know that the Jazz are going to be 
intent on making a big move here before the trade deadline coming up. I believe it's in February, right around the NBA All-Star break. I don't necessarily think they're going to do that. They're just going to have to find a way, I think, to defend better. And by the way, Rudy Gobert last night, I think, took a lot on him. He said that I need to be better. I need to be better on the defensive side of the basketball because this was a game the Jazz scored 126 points. That's more than enough points to win most NBA games. The problem was that their defense, which had been so good in so many of these previous eight games they had won in a row, it failed them last night. And you got to give credit to San Antonio. The other issue I think a lot of Jazz fans had, and I had a little bit of an issue of it until I kind of went back and watched it, and there still needs to be a, a, a debate about this, is the the last second play. So we have two second, 2.1 seconds on the clock. The Jazz try and run a set to get Donovan Mitchell a look, and San Antonio defends it well. The problem I have, and this is just me observing from afar, is that these late-game situations, at least in the last little bit, have always gone to Donovan Mitchell. Do they have a counter to this? Because teams are going to key on Donovan Mitchell. They're going to look at number 45 and say, hey, find number 45, double him up, do not allow him to get a look. Can a guy like Bogey, Boyan Bogdanovich, can Joe Ingles, can, can one of these other guys on the Jazz roster, Mike Conley, can they be that counter? Can they be the guy that you run a set for, make it look like you're going to Donovan Mitchell, throw it into one of these other guys, and let them take that shot. I know that Donovan Mitchell wants that look. He, he, he envisions himself a superstar. He is a superstar in the NBA, and he wants to be the guy that takes those shots. But you need to have counters to that because teams are going to key on him. They're going to look for number 45, and they're going to double him up, and they're going to go after him, and they're going to make sure that he doesn't get a clean look. And the other thing is, I would have liked to seen the Jazz maybe have a look more at the rim, try and get something in the mid-range rather than trying to shoot the three for the win. It's a, I know that the Jazz shoot the three at a high clip, but it's a low percentage shot, lower percentage shot than something at the rim. Why not look for something like that? That's just that's an aside to all of this, but the biggest issue I felt like in this loss last night was the Jazz defense, and it's a concerning thing that the Spurs were able to expose this because that's a sub-500 team. You're playing on your home court, speaking of Utah, here at Vivint Arena, and you're expected to win that game. These are the type of games, and we talk about it often here in sports radio, that when it comes to seeding at the end of the year, you look back at certain games, and this game against San Antonio could be one of those games you look at and say, okay, had they won that game, maybe we get a different spot here in the playoffs when you're looking at matchups and all that stuff. It's still a long way to go in the season. The Jazz have now played just 28 games. They're 20-8 and eight on the season. There's no cause for major concern, I feel like, but they have an opportunity tonight to respond in a big way, I feel like. The Washington Wizards come to town, losers of four straight. They've been on a long road trip out here, out west. Uh, Jazz 10-5 and five in their home games, but the problem is the Jazz are 1-4 in and one possession games. That's the concern, Is and we'll see. I, I, I think this should be an interesting matchup. The Jazz crushed Washington uh, 123-98 on December 12th, so they have some... Recent uh, recent memories of playing one another out there in our nation's capital, but there's an opportunity here for the Jazz to go out there and say, okay, last night was an aberration, now we restore order, and we're going to take care of business against the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards come in sitting at 15-15. and 15. They're 7th in the Eastern Conference. They've cooled off after a very hot start. Uh, the line out there, the Jazz have a double-digit line, depending on which sports book you look at. I'm seeing the line here on ESPN is Jazz minus 11. But this is a big opportunity for the Jazz to show us that, okay, 
Last night, you know what? Our defense had its weaknesses, and we're going to go out there and going to kind of reestablish order. Or are they going to let that hangover effect go into tonight's game and allow a team like Washington, who you're expected to beat, they're a team on a long road trip out west, they want to get home, end this game early. Go out there in the third quarter, flip the script from what last night when you allowed San Antonio to control the action. Do what you guys have typically done, speaking of the Jazz. Go out there, put the foot on the throat, and end this game in the third quarter and get right back on track. Wizards 2-8 and eight in their last 10 coming in here. Jazz 8-2. and two. This screams to me a nice bounce-back opportunity for the Jazz. We'll find out. Now, uh, before we flip over here, uh, and talk a little bit about the bowl games. want to remind you guys that our show, the Saturday show, is brought to you by our title sponsor, as our friends at Mountainland Supply. Always love them being a patron of this show. They're a great patron of the station overall, and they do a great job. It, they have all of the parts for, they, they, excuse me, they are where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. You can find a location near you at mountainland.com, and Mountainland has locations everywhere. Trust me, you can find one near you. Go check it out. Love having them as the title sponsor here on the Saturday show. All right, now let's talk a little college football. As we mentioned, uh, we've got Appalachian State and Western Kentucky facing off in the Boca Raton Bowl currently. Uh, App State up 21 to 14, but Western Kentucky is on the doorstep looking to take uh, 21 to 17, excuse me, looking to take a lead on their own right. These are two offenses. If you've watched Western Kentucky and Appalachian State, they waste no time and ban the goal line fade. Jeremy, I know you're a college football guy. I hate that player. No, no, no. <laughs> There's one person who's 100%. Who's that? Cole Turner, Nevada. Okay. Every single time. Okay. But he, you're right. You're he, correct, though. Okay. <laughs> I, I will give you that. Cole Turner is very good. I, I, I don't know how many people here watch Nevada. I know you are because you do the Mountain West uh, Mountain West. Is Mountain West Wire now? Yes. He's the Mountain West Connection, right? The, I don't know who that is. I don't know what you're talking about. No. Okay. My bad. <laughs> no, it's fine. Mountain West Wire. But you, you cover a lot of the Mountain West conference teams. Cole Turner from Nevada is elite at the goal line fade. He is. 100 Okay, 99%. Yeah. Like every time I see that play, I'm like, oh, it's not going to happen. But and he he, still every goes, time. He goes and gets it. But, yeah, so I just don't like the goal line fade. But we have two local teams in action today, and it's a big opportunity. They're going to be both on ABC. We've got BYU facing off against UAB in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. I hate these sponsor names. I just – Independence Bowl is what we're going with today. Go ahead, Jeremy. I just like the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl just because okay. he makes fun of it. This, and this one, okay, Jimmy Kimmel is the exception here. I, I was going to acknowledge that because he has. He's just a – I'm sponsoring a bowl game. This is sweet. <laughs> it's the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl presented by some random company. I don't remember what the other company name is that's associated the point. with it. This is Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Yeah. That's all it is. It's Jimmy the Camel. He made a sandwich. He's very enthused about it. Yes, exactly. We, we mentioned yesterday on Rivaled, he had the Q&A in Athletic. He wanted Arizona State and UNLV, which – he, he's Rebels, a kid that grew up. He, he, he grew up in <laughs> Vegas, and he moved to Arizona. He went to Arizona State, and he said his dream because it has the Mountain West versus the Pac-12, and that's his dream is to have Arizona State versus UNLV. And I was like, well, UNLV is going to doom you, but ASU's got an opportunity potentially. Yeah, give the Rebels like maybe four years. We'll see if they can get to six wins. <laughs> Good point. And that, I think it's currently affiliated. Is it the Mountain West champion goes to the LA Bowl right now? Is that is that how it's first laid pick? Up? First pick. in the okay. big time NY six games. Gotcha. Okay. So, but there's a big opportunity for both of these teams. So Utah State's gonna be taking on Oregon State in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl, and I'm looking forward to that one because it's a big opportunity for Utah State. They overachieved to I, I think one of the highest degrees of any team in the country. They're kind of one of the stories that is 
is getting overlooked in a very, very good year for football here locally. Obviously, Utah taking the headlines with their run to the Rose Bowl, winning the Pac-12 title. BYU, a top 15-ranked team in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, They're going for a second straight 11-win season, but we can't ignore what the Aggies have done. They're 10-3. and They were expected, I think the over-under in Vegas was three and a half games coming into the season. The fact that they are Mountain West Conference champions and they're playing Oregon State in the new SoFi Stadium down there in L.A., it's absolutely phenomenal. And by the way, you'll hear the entire all-play-by-play coverage of that game will be right here on the Zone Sports Network. Pre-game coverage with Scott Gerard will begin at 4.30 p.m. Mountain Time here locally. And, of course, Scotty and Kevin White and Ajay will have you guys covered all throughout that game and looking forward to that one. But first, we've got BYU taking on UAB in the Independence Bowl down there in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm looking forward to this one uh, in for one, just because I want to see how BYU responds to this. I think there was some disappointment that they did not get the call-up to the New Year's Six. Uh, they were number 13 out of the 12 teams who made the New Year's Six Bowl games as well as the college football playoff. BYU, I think, felt like their body of work over the past two seasons together, uh, in their minds, thought that they might get that opportunity, but it has not uh, come to pass. And they're playing in their Independence Bowl, and they're playing against a team that finished third in their conference. So there is a lot going against BYU in this game in terms of just the overall motivation factor. I, I, I think that... I, I think the motivation factor of this is something that they need to acknowledge. They need to acknowledge that we are disappointed. And they did. I got to Romney earlier this week. I remember him speaking to the media. He said that we feel a little bit, um, I'm trying to think what the term he used. Uh, we feel not overlooked. We feel like we got, not denigrated. I don't know. We'll have to find the quote. I'll have to find it and play it. But he, he feels like the team was just overlooked by the bowl selection committee or the college football playoff committee in terms of the New Year's Six Bowl games. And he felt like they would come out and want to prove something. I hope that what he is saying is not just him saying it. I hope that the entirety of BYU's team buys into that. Because if they buy into that, BYU's going to do what they did last year in the Boca Raton Bowl when they felt like they were – looked overlooked once again by the bowl selection committee and they went down there and absolutely ran the doors off UCF that was a game last year I was in attendance at that game down there in Boca Raton BYU could have put up 70 80 points had they wanted to they called out the dogs in the third quarter of that game ended up I think scoring 56 points in that game and I just think that it's a it's an opportunity here for the Cougars to go out and show the the nation, show everybody that it doesn't matter who they play in these bowl games. They're still going to be up for it. They're still going to go out and take care of business. Oh, you do have it? Okay. Yeah, so let's play it. This is going to Romney earlier this week uh, talking about the motivation factor for BYU. I think everybody on this team kind of feels slighted a little bit by the, by the bowl selection committee. And so I think really that's the number one source of motivation is to go out and finish strong and show, show teams that we deserve to be up there and to help maybe future teams to show that, you know, we, we shouldn't be slept on. Slighted. That's the word. Slighted. There we go. But And the thing is about that is Gunnar talked about we want to prove for future teams. The funny thing is, Gunnar, you don't realize that in two years' time, BYU's going to be in the big time. There's no more of this playing. Oh, you could be in the Independence Bowl if you have a 6-6 six and six season. But once you're in the Big 12, and you go if you go 10-2 in the Big 12, you're playing in Sugar Bowl, Peach Bowl. You're in contention for those type of games, and they can't take that away from you. Right now, BYU exists in a, I call it a netherworld. They don't exist in the G5. They also don't exist in the Power 5. They're kind of just between the two. And they have that contract with ESPN that locks in those bowl games. So 
Yes, they're locked into this independence bowl. I just hope they go out there and stick it to everybody and say, you know what? We've had a good season. Let's cap it the right way. And let's prove to the nation that we are a good football program. Because, And Jeremy, I want you to weigh in on this. BYU, if they win this game, they're 22-3 and in the last two years. And if you look at their schedule next year, it sets up nicely with a lot of talent coming back for BYU that they could put together another run at the New Year's Six. Yeah, because they were basically Notre Dame and one other team from being there to yes. be 11th because ACC champ is way down sure, there. Yeah. Depends on Tyler Algier, which doesn't seem likely, and he shouldn't stay. I, I'm with you. He but, should go. <laughs> like, Jaron Hall's back. All these guys are back. I could see – because they're a big enough brand. Maybe – 15 or something preseason, and that's close enough. They play enough Power 5 teams. And also the bowl game, you guys went 6-1 against Power 5. They all knew regular season what matters, bowl game up in there, and just see what happens. Yeah, and that, that that's the thing about that is the schedule next year, it doesn't have the same level of Power it hasn't It doesn't have the same number of Power 5 teams, but there are high-profile games on it. Oregon, Notre Dame, Stan, okay, Stanford. Who knows what they're going to hey, look like? Hey, put respect on the number one Pac-12 recruiting class right now. <laughs> Fair enough, but <laughs> Arkansas, come on, they're up. And, and Arkansas, I was saying, Arkansas is an up-and-coming SEC team. It seems like so there are some big-name opponents on next year's schedule, but there's enough of what I call the also-rans or the cupcakes on there that you could put up a pretty gaudy record next year and make another run at this. So there's an opportunity here for BYU. Don't go out there and prove people right who are your haters, uh, speaking of BYU. People saying, well, yeah, you guys are just stuck in the independence pool. We'll see how you... Go out there and put uh, put an exclamation point on your season. And now, uh, one other quick thought on Utah State, just real quick before we take a break, is Utah State, they're playing with house money right now. That, that's the thing about this. They went 10-3. and three. They overachieved every expectation any of us had for them. And now you get to go celebrate against a team like Oregon State. Oregon State's going to be plenty motivated in this game. I'm actually very excited for this L.A. Bowl. I think both of these teams, they haven't been in a bowl game in a little bit. And in Oregon State's case, I think it's eight years. It was 2013 last time they were in it. They're going to be highly motivated. And the nice part is it's two different styles. We have seen Utah State all year long sling the ball down the field. Guys like Devin Tompkins are absolutely electric in the passing game. But then you have the counter of what Oregon State does, and they like to control the ground game and just run it downhill at you. I'm excited for that one. I think it's a huge opportunity for both of these teams to really get after it. So we'll preview both of those games a little later on as we continue throughout today's show. Coming up next, uh, we'll get back into the Utah Jazz. Some of the issues that were exposed last night in that game against the San Antonio Spurs. Later on, we're going to have technical fouls. Saki, five minutes of. We're also going to have a conversation. I I had a really cool one-on-one conversation with BYU offensive lineman Joe Tukuafu. A guy that has been at BYU for a long time. Uh, he, okay, you're going to hear him talk about how long he's been in college football. Let's just put it this way. I have two kids. I've been married for six years. This kid started playing college football before all of that happened in my life. So we'll talk about all of that later on in today's show. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on The Zone Sports Network. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store. We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show here on the Zone Sports Network. All right, folks. Uh, I just had a friend of the show uh, point this out, and uh, the the Boca Raton. I'm I'm done saying sponsor names on these bowl games. I know it's like you can see right there, roofclaim.com, whatever. They're tricking you. That's what it is. I know it's a trick, like Staples Center. I don't I don't care. Okay, and I will say this: there are things like the Lending Tree Bowl. Okay, 
if the name is in the name of the actual book, okay, you got to go with that. But if it's the roofclaim.com Boca Raton, I'm going with the Boca Raton. Famous Idaho Potato Bowl. It's just a potato bowl. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. If it's the sponsor name is in the bowl name, we'll go with it. But I, that's just me. I, I have issues with it. Because, like, I love that the Rose Bowl, it, it's the Rose Bowl, and then it's presented by somebody else. The Rose Bowl will not allow anybody to have that name, and I'm, as they should. They should never have a name before it. But a good friend of ours, uh, Sean Walker from KSL.com, he is in Shreveport for the bowl game today. He said, I just saw ESPN's end zone view of the Boca Raton Bowl and had a flashback to the time that Jacob C. Hatch had a UCF fan spill his beer on him while we were, quote, working in the, quote, press area of the bowl game. Sean's not wrong. So last year uh, I was down there in Boca Raton for that bowl game, and it's on TV right now on ESPN if you want to watch it. And, Boca Raton and FAU have actually a really cool stadium. It's actually it's not a huge stadium, but it's a good stadium. Trust me. I, I was impressed with the facilities. But their press box is minuscule. It's tiny. So we get up there. Like, we're covering it for media. I was covering it for the station here. Sean was covering it for KSL. And we get in there, and we get our press passes out of the will call area and walk in, go up to the press box, and they're like, Okay, I'm right. so we're looking at that usually, and this is pulling back the curtain on how media works. And Jeremy, you know this as well as anybody. You kind of look and say, okay, where am I sitting? And they have like a layout. Well, it doesn't have our names on it. So we're like, well, that's weird. We have credentials. So we find one of the PR people for the bowl game. We're like, oh, yeah, so we have an auxiliary press area. Okay. So Wait, uh, I have a question first of go, all. Go ahead. This bowl game needed auxiliary press. Too many BYU guys covering the game. What was I, the deal? I, well, okay. The thing is, okay. <laughs> uh, I was actually UCF actually had quite a few media people. It's a close but game. I'm telling so. you, this this me, this press box is tiny. Like their pre, their um their loge box, their luxury box area, pretty big. But the press area is maybe one eighth of it. It was. Of course. It's like BYU basketball taking away those seats. Yes, exactly. It's, okay, so same type of situation with BYU cutting the, in basketball. They cut those seats. Okay, so we were uh, playing in – so we're down at this game. We're, we're watching it. So the auxiliary press area uh, was in the end zone. So they're like, okay, so you guys are going to be down in the end zone. They kind of point us and I said, okay, we're like, all right, we'll see how that is. Like, do we have power out there? And they're like, yeah, you should have, you should have the internet and all that stuff. None of that. We get out there. And the worst part about this, Jeremy, is so Boca Raton, FAU Stadium, Owl Stadium, whatever they call it, well, they don't have nets for PATs. We're working, quote unquote, working media members in this end zone. We get down there pregame, BYU's kickers are kicking PATs and they're just sailing everywhere in the stands. You're liable to have your laptop absolutely just get demolished in this sitting there. So uh, we're sitting there, and uh, trust me, okay, and the best part is, like, NFL scouts are at this game. There were two, uh, so two 49er scouts sat right in front of me in this press area. And I, trust me, I, I watched them most of the game while I was sitting there. And I, I went, and we'll talk more about, so those 49er scouts, they were there for one person, one person only, Zach Wilson. They, trust me, the, UCF was on offense, they just started chatting. BYU comes out on offense, binoculars in, and they are just, Go into town, just scouting everything about Zach Wilson. Number two, number number one was the guy they were there for. It was kind of funny. So to watch. who got the good seats? Because those guys can't see very well. Who got the good seats there for the? I press? don't know, honestly. I think Jay Drew from the Deseret News got a good seat. Uh, but so I'm sitting down there, and PATs are going, and Sean's like, I'm not risking my laptop. So Sean goes to, I, he went to go find a seat, and 
I sat down there for the first half. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick it out. Weather's not bad here. I'm in Florida. I'm gonna enjoy the weather here. I'm, I I got out of Utah for a few days in the winter to go to Florida. It, I can deal with this. This is when it turns. Second quarter, I'm sitting there. <laughs> and Sean just sent another tweet about it. Um, so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, my pant leg is like soaking wet. I'm like, what in the world just happened? I turn around, and, and you know, beers at games and everything, they're expensive. Just right down my pant leg. Just covered in it so was this intentional like i trip and fell because this was like a nude game too it wasn't an early game too it was, no, it was a night game oh i forget that was the is miami it, beach bowl that was during the day. miami beach bowl was yeah it was, it was actually night they switched it to morning this year it was kind of weird 11 a.m eastern time for the kickoff for this game but all of a sudden my pant leg is soaked and i didn't know what it was at first i was like oh no oh no what is this i turned around and this guy had I, if i recall correctly had accidentally kicked the beer over and why are you putting your beer right around where your feet are at? Because that's an expensive beverage, first off. We all know that you go into sporting event anymore. Anything is at least. I know. It's probably a $10 drink, I uh, guess, you minimum. Oh, yeah. Easily. So, so it soaked me, and I'm like, okay. At that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm done. Because the press, the press area had, like, one little, um, you know those warning signs they put out, like, when they're cleaning the floors and whatnot? So stuff ignore, kind of. And they taped the thing that said media seating to it. I'm I'm dead serious about this, folks. This was, <laughs> this, so yeah. I got uh, soaked with a beer. I was not Max Hall. I was not. I was not. I didn't have beer poured on my family. None of that. But I got soaked with a beer. Uh, halftime. I went upstairs, sat in what there was like an auxiliary area where they had like the food before the. Which, by the way, the food area is about four times the size of their press area at FAU. It just, it was an experience. Let's put it that way. Covering a bowl game, but yeah, I got, I got, I got, I got my pant leg soaked with. And trust me, it went from like I, I was sitting, and it went from like where my hip bone is all the way down, and it was dripping off my pants as I was walking up to the press box. So, <sighs> any time. questions asked? Because the smell of like, hey, what are you doing there, Jake? What's, uh, what's going on? Sean, Sean <laughs> was there. I, I sat next to Ben Criddle and a few other people from the local media, and they're like, "What happened to you?" I'm like, "Beer." <laughs> It was an experience. Let's put it that way. Covering bowl games, whew, yeah, that was that was something. So, uh, via condios to all of the media members from Appalachian State and Western Kentucky who are there today covering the roof, the roofclaim.com book or tone bowl. So, fun times covering a bowl game. Uh, hopefully, Sean and the crew that are down there. I know Mitch Harper from our from KSLSports.com is down there in Shreveport. Hopefully, they don't have the same issues that we had at Boca, in Boca Raton last year. All right, I meant to talk about the Utah Jazz here, and I just wasted like the entire segment on this. Uh, but so you know, let's stick with the football theme here for just a minute because, uh, Jeremy, I know you are a big college football fan. Did you watch the two bowl games from yesterday? I just kind of scrubbed through them last night. But what were your takeaways from the first day of bowl season? Um, Friday afternoon, more late morning bowl games, the Bahamas Bowl. Um, I was here working lots, so I kind of watched here there. Mm-hmm. The, the best thing, not not a bowl game yesterday story, but it used to be the Popeyes Bahamas Bowl. Yes. Year one, they had no Popeyes. So they had to bring I, in a kitchen, bring uh, in everything. So that's what I like about bowl games. They're weird, dumb, and fun. Um, not as close as I wanted to, just mm-hmm. because work and doing stuff uh, is helping out. But uh, I'll just say this. Anytime there's a, throughout the week, Christmas, 10 a.m. games here, 9 a.m. games possibly, just to have it on the background and see what goes on. Give us all of them, please. And the thing is, teams that get to go to the Bahamas for a bowl game, you win. Oh, Boca Raton? I'm like, come I, on. I, I know. Anywhere warm. 
there, and I've seen some conversation this week about, well, Salt Lake City should have a bowl game. Folks, um, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl in Boise, uh, no. Remember the ice skating game a couple years ago? Yeah. I forget who was playing, but it was just on ice. You yeah, touchdown, it, you go 20 yards into you're the— You're just sliding, yeah. yeah. It, Give me a dome stadium, and then we'll talk. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're going to have a cold-weather you're going to have a cold weather city host a bowl game, Indianapolis, I know that uh, the Quick Lane Bowl is in at Ford Field there in Detroit. And if you're going to have a cold weather, weather city host a game— You've got to enclose it. You got to have a bowl. You got you got to have an enclosed arena, a stadium for it. That's 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 my thought. Bowl games are meant to be played in warm weather destinations. The the Rose Bowl for me is like the the holy grail of bowl games because you see the San Gabriel Mountains. It's seventy degrees. People are in Pasadena, California. The sun's out inevitably. It's beautiful. That is what a bowl game is meant to be. Yeah, go. Here we got to view like summer baseball, like at the bees games, Raptors, yes. anywhere. It's like it's you see during college football season, Weber State, Logan, mm-hmm. anywhere, the best view anywhere. But it's cold, it's overcast. They had to top the Mountain Bowl at JUCO Bowl for a while, but yeah, why? We don't need. I want to go somewhere else to go to a bowl game. You know what I mean? I get it, but it'd be fun to have a bowl game here. Trust me. I just warm weather destinations are where bowl games are supposed to be. I think just give me a good uh, neutral game in Vegas, like BYU Notre Dame. Oh, Let's absolutely. Do that. Yes. Do that instead, only six hour drive, hour flight. Oh, I'm with yeah. See, full agreement. You are you are dead on with that take right there. So yesterday, uh, Middle Tennessee beats Toledo in the Bahamas, 31 to 24. Both teams finished seven and six on the year. And then Coastal Carolina. I actually, this is a back and forth game. NIU and Coastal Carolina went back and forth. And BYU fans, I think, have a little bit of a grudge against Coastal Carolina for that loss last year. But Coastal Carolina finishes 11 and two with a 47 to 41 shootout victory in the Tell Greeter Cure Bowl. So there you go. They beat Northern. You broke your rule. I know. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) But tell Greeter. What's tell Greeter? They want you to look it up. That's their plan. uh, Probably a good point. Yeah. (laughs) So don't do it. Don't give them the link. I am. I am not doing that. So, anyways, bowl games are fun. This is a fun time of year. And by the way, the thing on bowl games is if you're not playing in the, I think the New Year's Six is kind of the cutoff. Those are the games that mean the most. And the funny thing is, we're seeing um, the Peach Bowl yesterday. So we saw Kenneth Walker III from Michigan State say he's declaring for the NFL draft and is skipping out on the Peach Bowl. Followed shortly thereafter by a Pitt quarterback. Um, now I'm forgetting his name suddenly. Uh, Kenny Pickett? Kenny Pickett, yes. Heisman finalist. He is opting out of the Peach Bowl. Well, the Peach Bowl has got to be sitting there like, are you bleeping kidding me? We just lost our two like headliners of this game. You know what you do? You make it a playoff game for more teams and people will play. And that's I'm the just thing. saying, that's that, what you do. Come and that's on. what we're going towards. And it needs to happen. And other people say, well, if it doesn't happen now, I'm gonna... you can you can change it tomorrow and have it in place for next year. Let's be real about this, folks. ESPN will sign off on it. You can get CBS, Fox involved. And they, they want to be involved on it. And I think that's part of the reason it's pushing for this. They want to have their cut of the pie as well. They don't want ESPN to control it all. But, yeah, so I, I just I, – I look at this and bowl games – they're a reward for a successful season. Go enjoy it. I actually really like how BYU takes like the families of their players, their coaches. They take the whole crew, kit and caboodle. They all go to wherever the bowl game is. That is the way it's supposed to be. Well, we had Jaron Hall every week. He talked about his little kid, uh-huh. his wife's going down there. He's yep. like, it's a family event. It's not the Georgia Southern game where war- nice weather, warm weather, but it's a one-game thing. This is like, you know, they do the – the dancing Cosmo dancing competition, whatever Cosmo did yesterday, probably crushed it, as they always as Cosmo sure. always does. Yeah. But any for any team like it's more so BYU obviously, but any it's mm-hmm. family come parents. Uh, if you have little kids, mm-hmm. spouses, boyfriend or girlfriends, whatever significant others, y'all go down there and it's an event and have fun. If you play, 
great. If you don't play, I'm not going to begrudge your guy. Like, Tyler Largier playing, probably because he knows it's the last game. Man, there's that. Is he close to some record? So he needs, and we'll talk about this later, 174 yards to break the single-season rushing record at BYU. Break Luke Staley's record. And I'm of the opinion, I know that UAB's got a pretty stingy run defense. Algier is more than capable of getting that record. I think if they really want to push for it, if he wants to push for it, they can do that. Well, they got the rain and stuff. They might run a touch more. Yeah. If the rain is going to be a factor, which I saw Jay Drew tweet out earlier that it's been raining pretty hard down there in Shreveport, yeah, ground game is going to be a necessity in this. So, yeah, so we'll keep you updated on uh, that. We'll preview that game. As I mentioned, Joe Tukulafu, I had a one-on-one conversation with him. We'll also get a look at UAB as well, get you some thoughts on that. But bowl games, they're meant to be rewarded. And Aaron Roderick spoke with Hans and Sky earlier this week about how, in fact, his kids he hasn't seen, it feels like, in months. They're going with him this bowl game. That's the way it should be. It should be a celebration. It should be a vacation. But also, you need to make sure that you just take care of business. If you're playing, if you're on the team, Go out there and take care of business. All right, we'll get to technical fouls, reward the people who've been dumb in sports this week, and beyond that, coming up next in the 11 o'clock hour, as I mentioned, Joe Tukuafu. We'll also get to our five minutes of, talk a little bit about sake, uh, everything else going on in sports, and also coming up your way, I'm, i got a long day here today. Me and Jeremy are going to be along for the ride all day long. We've got BYU pregame coverage starting at 1230 with the Cougar pregame show right here on The Zone. So plenty to come right here on the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, 12 a.m. and the Zone Sports Network. This coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet. That's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network, right now, hour one of the program, and we are going to talk about uh, technical fouls, uh, teams of uh, people that have been acting dumb in sports, but uh, we got a little bit of breaking news here, and it's just... <laughs> I don't know. Okay, Kevin Durant earlier this morning uh, was entered into NBA's health and safety protocols. So that is yet another Brooklyn Nets star and their main star, the main attraction of that team. I know that guys like James Harden are very good. He's entered the NBA health and safety protocols, and he is out. Well, uh, they announced yesterday that they are going to bring back Kyrie Irving, and they had ramped up his testing. He had to get five successive days of negative tests to be able to begin playing for the team. He was going to do it on a part-time basis when they were on the road. He couldn't play in their home arena there at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Well, as one would have it, uh, Sham Sharani I'm seeing here, uh, tweeting out that Brooklyn Nets guard Kyrie Irving has entered health and safety protocols. Nice, nice, nice poll. It just... Oh my gosh, this is, as I tweet out, this is real life, like, this is... What's like we said in the break, NBA really needs a small... Uh, they need a pause. A pause, however, you know, money, Christmas Day, <laughs> but it's just hilarious because I, you can be safe if you're not vaccinated, but yeah. he, gets all, he gets negative, I'm assuming multiple negative tests to say, hey, I'm coming back, and then... Ding. He gets who knows by because yeah, eighty percent of the Nets players are having issues. Contact trace. There, there's so many different reasons why he could. It just it, and by not be vaccinated, yeah. extended time and like yep. NFL now it's like a day oh, yeah. or two you can come back and so yeah. it's like it's just kind of ironic how you'll yep. play and then oh whoops. wait <laughs> next day it's just it, it, it the whole deal is so so funny. 
All right. Uh, so a couple other things here. Yeah. So you're not going to see Kyrie Irving playing for the Nets for a little bit, it looks like. Uh, a couple other things here in technical fouls. Uh, fans of the Atlanta Braves obviously winning the World Series, something they will never forget. Uh, they've spent millions of dollars on memorabilia. But tops the baseball card company. Ooh, made a boo-boo here, Jeremy. Uh, so they sent the cards. They sent them late. I, I saw one guy said that. I've got my 15-card Tops World Series set in the car. It says, notice anything weird about the back of these cards. And if you read the quote here, I'm going to read this for you. The Braves are World Series champions for the fourth time in franchise history and the second since the club moved to Atlanta. This is where it gets weird. The Braves deployed an all-around team effort and punctually defeated the Houston Astros in just five games. Error one. Six games is when they won the World Series. The club overcame significant injuries to their roster and prevailed as the deepest team in the postseason. Guided by a series filled with uh, timely hits and brilliant coaching performances, the Dusty Baker-led squad is on top of MLB. Dusty Mm. Baker would be the manager of the Houston Astros who lost in the World Series. Oh, boy. (sighs) Hey, you know what? These are more valuable now because of the air. (laughs) <laughs> in some ways, yes, they are. But, yeah, so uh, they won the World Series in the Nationals in six games, and Dusty Baker was not the – okay, so way to go, guys. Uh, way to go, Tops. That's a technical foul on you guys. And then finally, technical foul on former Olympic speed skater Allison Baver. Baver, I don't know how to pronounce her last name correctly. Uh, this comes from the Salt Lake Tribune, actually. She's been indicted by a federal grand jury on nine counts of fraud that accused her of lying to obtain $10 million from the Paycheck Protection Program. You know it as colloquially as PPP. A lot of people in business during the pandemic were using these loans. According to a federal indictment filed Wednesday in Salt Lake City, um, Allison Baver Entertainment uh, claimed a PPP application that had 430 employees and a monthly payroll of $4 million. However, as Fox 13 and the Salt Lake Tribune have reported, the indictment states that the company and Baver have no employees and no actual overall payroll. That's pretty bold to make that claim. Like, if you're an independent contract, I guess technically they could be as a speed skater of sorts, but... Yes, but to claim 430 employees, as they say in this story... That actually put them among one of the bigger companies in the state of Utah in terms of just overall employment. That's just not, oh, give me a few bucks because a million people could get that. Like, like an Uber driver or Lyft. We, we've seen. But uh, this is extreme. Yeah. Like you've seen weird stuff. The Lakers somehow got it. And uh-huh. it, it may have been, a, I don't know how exactly what it was, like technicality because this division of the company or whatever. But a lot of them turned it back. Like, why are we getting the money? But this is jail time coming. That's a huge deal. It's like, oh, the IRS isn't going to check. They're too busy with other people. Oh, no, they're going to check. They're going to get their money. Don't worry. And uh, Baver is a former short, tra- short track speed skater, competed in the 0206 and 2010 Olympics. In 2010, she actually won a bronze medal in the women's 3,000-meter relay. She's originally from Pennsylvania and had moved to Salt Lake City for training. She announced her speed skating retirement in 2017, and now she is looking at jail time. Don't mess with the feds, folks. That's that's the lesson to be learned from today's technical fouls. All right, so there you go. That's technical fouls for today. Uh, come back on the other side. Uh, we will get into a conversation that I had with Joe Tukuafu, BYU offensive lineman. I thought it was actually a really fun conversation. I will let you hear from him and also later on. I'm going to make actually an extended uh, show on Saturday. So we're going to go until 1230 until the Cougar pregame show kicks off. So you'll also he- be able to hear more. We're going to play also an interview later on from Aaron Roderick. Had a great conversation with Hans and Scotty. So we'll get to all that. It's all coming up in hour two of the Saturday. Show brought to you by our friends at Mountainland Supply. Find a location near near you at mountainland.com in a moment, right here on the Zone Sports Network.